I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Collaborations have become a critical aspect of the search for new treatments for rare diseases as drug companies, universities, research institutes, and patient groups are forging alliances to leverage their strengths. Outside this year's J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference, Global Genes will convene Rare in the Square in San Francisco's Union Square to provide rare disease-focused companies and organizations a place to network at the heart of the week's activities. We spoke to Michael Pistone, Director of Marketing, Innovation, and Commercialization at Cincinnati's Children's Hospital Medical Center about the hospital's rare disease partnerships with drug companies, how the face of partnering in the rare disease space is evolving, and what he's hoping for at this year's Rare in the Square event. Michael, thanks for joining us. Great to be here. We're going to talk about Cincinnati Children's Hospital, what it's doing to partner with drug makers to help develop new treatments for rare diseases, and the upcoming Rare in the Square event at the J.P. Morgan Conference. For listeners who may not be familiar with the work of Cincinnati Children's Hospital, perhaps you can start by giving some sense of what the hospital does, not only in terms of treating patients, but also in terms of researching and and rare disease and and developing potential new therapies. Absolutely. So Cincinnati Children's is a, a, a world-class pediatric academic medical center and, and research institution, and uh, and really that's at the core of, of everything we do um, is our mission to change the outcome for kids. And so um, both on the clinical and research side, uh, really the patients at the forefront. So um, on, on the clinical side, um, you know, we're, uh, we see have over a million patient encounters every year. Um, and, and really see patients from all 50 U.S. states and, and I think north of 80 or 90 countries. So really we have specialists and subspecialists that are some of the best in the world. Um, and so, so patients come to us from, from, from across the globe to, to seek out the best care. Um, and, and really at, at, you know, behind the clinical, um, behind the clinical care is our, is our research. And, uh, and because we're a large pediatric center with world class physicians, um, we also have world-class scientists, and so uh, that that combination um, of of being very specialized and uh, often rare and ultra rare conditions and patients has has led a lot of our research efforts to to, to follow suit and, and be in the rare disease space. So um, we we have about a thousand faculty that uh, that cover nearly every area of life science, and so um, everything from you know rare disease to to some more common. Uh, Pediatric as well as adult indications are, are all uh, being being looked at in our research uh, institution, and so um, it allows us to, to to sit at a pretty unique spot in, in, in my office on the commercialization side, where we are are looking at uh, at all these discoveries and uh, potential therapies, as well as diagnostic tests and medical devices, and, and even health IT and software, uh, all focused on changing the outcome for kids, and so. Um, our goal is really to, to take those discoveries and move them to the market through partnership. And uh, that's what kind of led us to, to the rare and square and, and working with global genes. There seems to be growing interest, particularly in the rare disease space, for biotech companies and patient groups 
academics and, and research institutions to partner. What do you think is driving that, particularly in the rare disease space? Yeah, I think there's a couple of factors. I mean, one is that there's there's more than 7,000 rare diseases that we know of. Uh, only 5% have, have FDA-approved therapy. So there's just huge need, and, and you can't, you can't, Meet or talk to a patient or their or their their families, and uh, and not just be touched and motivated to to try to find uh, a potential treatment or cure for these diseases. And so, I mean, from a from a just a human impact side, there's just an incredible drive, and I see that. And you know, a lot of people, um, you know, don't get to interact with with you know pharmaceutical and biotech companies, but you know, there 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 certainly is that drive and that that mission element of of from a pharmaceutical standpoint, it's not just the, the clinicians and care providers, um, but it absolutely transcends to the to the drugs uh, drug mix side as well. And so that's that's really motivating. It's also obviously incentive from a from a uh, regulatory standpoint um, to, uh, to to look at these rare diseases. And so I think that's certainly a, a factor as well. For a hospital doing rare disease research, what's the challenge in moving from? Discovery to development to commercialization of a therapy. Yeah, again, there there are many. Um, you know, one of the key challenges is the traditional funding sources uh, like the NIH and other federal federal uh, funding programs. You know, typically aren't uh, truly commercialization driven, and so while they they want to see therapies, you know, move make it to the market, um, a lot of times those funding mechanisms aren't made to do that translational research. So, you know, they're not made to do some of the the Late preclinical stu- preclinical work or clinical studies, and so there is you know the the off off used term you know valley of death where NIH funding will will stop and it's still too early and too risky for uh, traditional commercial entities to take that take that risk, and that's kind of the world we live in where we've got a lot of faculty doing amazing work and they're taking potential therapies to the to, as far as they can, and that's typically to you know there's proof of concept in an animal model. Um, and uh, and then it, and that's pretty much it. And so well, that's where we sit, and we and we try to figure out how can we take these promising therapies and 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 partner them in a fashion that um, reduces the risk as much as possible, uh, incentivizes our, our partners, um, and again gets these gets these potential therapies in the hands of a capable partner. Um, so it's really about match, matching the the the, the needs on and the lack of um, capabilities on our end with the capabilities of, of in 2014, Alexion Pharmaceuticals and Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center established a collaboration and fund for the advancement of research in rare diseases. What does Alexion bring to that relationship, and what does Cincinnati Children's bring? Yeah, that's a great question. That was, that's a partnership we really value. Um, and it was one of the first of its kind where, you know, again, in this process of trying to partner these assets, a, a typical model is. We have intellectual property. We file patents around the therapy, and uh, and then we look to license that to an existing company. Again, the problem with that is they're just very early and they're very risky. Very few of these of these uh, uh, therapies are actually going to make it to the market. And it's just that's just the reality of living. That there's just a low success rate. So um, what we did with with Alexion was we we found that we have uh, a kind of a critical mass of rare disease research. They have capabilities in the drug development and commercialization uh, process, and so. They were able to see in our in our institution that there was there was a robust number of of faculty working in rare and ultra rare diseases, and so um, we run basically run an RFP type process that allows them to 
see some of our pro research programs, and then select select one or more that are uh, of uh, of particular interest that align with their strategic direction, and then they fund that research. So it basically becomes uh, what we call a sponsored research agreement, where Alexion then takes over the, the, the project funding for you know a set number of uh, set amount of time and a set uh, with with set commercial uh, commercial objectives and, and milestones in place. And then they have the opportunity to license that that uh, technology uh, after the research is com- is complete. So it's a really great model where we bring them in typically earlier than they might normally be comfortable on the commercial side, but we bring in their 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 R and D team. And and when you have that science scientist to scientist connection, uh, we found that's incredibly valuable and and really helps move the needle um, in terms of these these early stage partnerships. And have you been able to do anything under that partnership yet? So we we've they, they funded two projects um, in the first year. They're they're two year projects. So actually, the the first two projects that they selected are just are, are wrapping up in the next six months. So at that point, we'll, we'll I mean they have they have moved along and they've progressed. In the next six months, we'll know uh, whether or not they they do in fact choose to uh, to take that option and license those those technologies and, and move them into the clinic. They've also this week we we're going into our third year now. So. The second year, they also funded um, the project, and so that one is also moving along nicely as well. In 2015, you also announced a broad collaboration, a three-year deal with Shire to discover and develop treatments for rare diseases. How is that collaboration structured? Does it does it work any differently than the one with the Luxion? It is. It, it, it's different. Uh, it's, it is similar in the same way. So we have something that Cincinnati Children's Unique. It's called our Innovation Fund. Uh, it's a million dollar per year proof of concept fund that allows us to to invest in our own research to move it towards that com- uh, uh, that commercial endpoint and uh, get it across that valley of death. Um, we we found that that innovation fund model, which is, is kind of what I just described with the Alexia partnership, is it, attractive to industry partners. So Alexion basically plugged into our innovation fund, um, and so they have an, an Alexion Rare Disease Innovation Award. That is part of our broader innovation fund. Shire is a little bit different as a standalone. As you mentioned, it's a broader collaboration, three year um, in nature, and uh, it's a standalone RFP. And you know, Shire and Alexia have, have, you know, while they're both interested in the rare disease space, they have different different interests, and so certain projects are of interest to one and not the other. So um, when you think about thousands of faculty, um, or excuse me, hundreds of faculty working on thousands of potential rare diseases, um, it's no surprise that there's, there's room for more than one industry partner to be at the table. And so that's kind of why the Shire and Alexion projects work. Um, Shire is a little bit more significant in terms of taking on the, the drug development work, um, whereas they, they, they'll, they'll put their whole project team around it. And, and um, there's a little bit more of a, of a collaboration from uh, their scientific team and actually doing some of the work as well. The Alexion partnership, um, most of that work is, is continues to be done by our, our researchers in our lab. Um, and the Shire work can be contracted out to certain CROs, and um, uh, it's a little bit more robust in that capacity. And has any work taken place under that agreement? It has. So, the, again, there's there's two projects currently being funded um, by Shire, and those are in their, uh, in their second year um, of, of funding and, again, moving along very nicely. Uh, neither have neither have you know entered the clinic, um, but again, it's, it's a it's a it's a long term play. 
and uh, just the fact that the, they're they continuing to, to progress, they're hitting hitting their milestone. Um, there's a positive trend towards uh, getting these, these therapies to the market. Having done these arrangements, has, are there things you've learned about working with industry in terms of aligning interest or getting the most out of these types of collaborations? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every every uh, every chance we get to work with industry in this in this field is a, is a is a great learning opportunity for an academic institution like ours. And so, um, you know, there, there's there's no there's no mistaking that an academic institution is different from a, a corporate entity, a corporate for profit entity. So, one of the things that is is just getting our our faculty, our scientists to uh, to kind of understand how to work with industry um, and what what might be um, okay for a um, uh, a standard NIH grant is going to be different from a, a Shire or a Lexion sponsored agreement. And so, you know, the more that we can help our faculty understand how to think about uh, clinical utility and commercial milestones and, and manufacturability and the regulatory path and all these things that, again, typical an, an, an academic scientist um, is not going to be as concerned about, um, it, they, are, they are relevant when you're talking about working with a partner. And so that's been a really valuable lesson for a lot of our faculty. At the end of the day, our, our, our clinicians and scientists, they want to see these, they want to see kids' lives improve. And so, um, they're, they're really open to, to kind of being flexible and, uh, being adaptable to, uh, to these needs. Oh, patients and patient groups have taken a much more visible role in partnering, particularly as a source of funding. Has Cincinnati Children's had involvement with patient groups as partners in that sense? Uh, we've we've certainly been looking at that. We haven't uh, directly. Um, we don't have a kind of a, a, any any type of fund like that set up with uh, with a patient advocacy group. We 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 work closely with several. Um, you know, it's it's a model that I think um, is still very new, and so um, it's something that I think we we see as as, as very viable. Um, but it'll it'll be a matter of time before we before we could. Uh, you know, ink, ink a deal like that with with a you know something like the the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation or Cure Duchenne or something like that. Who have you know a couple of those that have been you know more active in the in the funding and drug development process. Well, as the biotechnology industry gathers in San Francisco for the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference, the large annual investor conference that kicks off the new year, Global Genes will be bringing companies, investors, and the patient community together for Rare in the Square. Uh, space set up in Union Square for the networking on rare diseases. Cincinnati Children's will be among those present. How do you view that as an opportunity? Yeah, so it's a it's a it's a really great event that we're we're incredibly excited about. I mean, we, we always go to San Francisco for JP Morgan and any chance we get to uh to gather in, in a single place with uh biotech pharma venture um, as well as the patient advocacy groups is uh, incredibly valuable for us. I mean, the, the core uh, to what we do is, is relationships and partnerships. And so, um, you know, being in such a visible location at J.P. Morgan where there's, I mean, there's literally meetings taking place on every corner and every coffee shop. And so to have such a, a, a significant presence right uh, in the heart of, of it all in Union Square, I think is a phenomenal thing both for uh Global genes and the, and the partners that are putting the event on, but also most importantly, just the, the patients and families that are struggling with, with rare diseases and fighting that fight. Um, you know, this, this is where it starts. While it's it's, it's often uh, uh, you know a long term play, this is where you know those breakthrough discoveries 
can find their, their path to the market. And it takes it takes all of those stakeholders coming together and realizing that we're all in this together. And that's what the Rare and Square Women is doing. It's bringing the real the real critical stakeholders together to say uh, there's power, there's more power when we're when we're on the same side doing things together than when any of us are going to do it alone. Michael Bastone, Director of Marketing, Innovation, and Commercialization at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center. Michael, thanks so much for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.